If you watched NXT TakeOver The End, one of the things that you would come away with is the notion that Ty Dillinger is one of, if not the most popular superstar on the Full Sail roster. People seem to love the Perfect Ten gimmick. People seem to be behind the man as a person. And in fact, since it has just begun to thunder outside, you could say as if the fates themselves want Ty Dillinger to succeed. Yet despite this, Ty Dillinger doesn't seem to be getting his fair shake, or at least we would interpret it to be his fair shake, on the WWE or NXT roster. And that, my friends, is the subject of this episode of By the Book. My name is DC Matthews, at DC Matthews NAI. Welcome to the show. Uh, I was disappointed, to say the least, about the Ty Dillinger match at NXT TakeOver The End. I thought he deserved better than a five-minute match against uh, a debuting superstar. Ty Dillinger is far more than CJ Parker or Elias Sampson have ever been. And even, and I say this as someone who really, really loved Bull Dempsey, Ty Dillinger has transcended even the greatness of Bull Dempsey. Uh, so I hoped for more, and what I'd like to do today is take just a few minutes. This will probably be the shortest episode of By the Book, um, and I'm sure Doc Manson will be grateful for that. But I wanted to uh, craft a way, tell you a story, if you will, uh, that could get Ty Dillinger to the glory um, that we all are hoping for. We would love to see the Perfect Ten with the NXT title. We would also like to see him on Raw or SmackDown, and while I think that is possible with the upcoming brand extension, that is not exactly the story I want to tell you today, though I'm going to continue saying it. I will tweet about it, at DC Matthews NAI, and I will say it as long as I can. Ty Dillinger, Tyler Breeze, Fandango could take over the world if you put them together. Anyways, that's not the story that I want to tell you today. Today I want to imagine, since I am spoiler-free on NXT, the only thing I do know is that apparently Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor had a... I don't even know if we can call it a confrontation. All I saw was a single picture. They had a meeting in the ring. Um, And so I am being led to believe, just by that picture, that TakeOver Brooklyn will feature Nakamura versus Balor, which leaves our NXT champion with nothing to do. And so that's the starting off point. I have read no spoilers and I don't want to know them. Please do not tweet me with, well, this can't happen because this match and this was decided at the tapings. I don't want to know. I am assuming nothing about NXT and I am crafting my fantasy booking thusly. And I hope you enjoy. So I'm imagining that William Regal, in order to start to find challengers for Samoa Joe. In the same vein as Asuka, uh, Samoa Joe is a talent so dominant that he doesn't really have any suitable contenders. He's defeated Finn Balor multiple times. Guys like Shinsuke and Austin Aries haven't been on the roster long enough to earn a title shot, potentially. So William Regal comes out and he announces a battle royal. 
And the winner of the Battle Royal does not get a title shot against Samoa Joe. The winner of the Battle Royal just gets the opportunity to wrestle Samoa Joe on NXT. You know, this is the the champion is so high and mighty that you have to fight just for the honor of facing him in the ring. And so this Battle Royal features many superstars. You could even presume uh, guys like Austin Aries could be in there. And I'm going to go ahead and say that by some fortunate end, Ty Dillinger wins this Battle Royal. He eliminates the competition, and he earns himself a match with Samoa Joe uh, on the next week's NXT. Now, Samoa Joe, being the dominant champion, is not taking this challenger very seriously, especially since this challenger has the hair styled oddly and the uh, outlandish outfits, and he continues to do his perfect 10 thing. He is over with the crowd, but he is not over in the eyes of our NXT champion, who is taking him very lightly. And one of the things I like about this, and I believe I mentioned it on a previous episode of DDT Wrestling, is I like the Samoa Joe who just kind of waves off the competition. And so, you know, if an opponent was trying a springboard move or a top rope move, all Samoa Joe does is walk off to the side, almost in disgust at how easily he can avoid such a maneuver. And that's the kind of Samoa Joe that we see in this instance. We see a Samoa Joe who is not taking Ty Dillinger seriously at all, and for good reason, because for a good portion of this match, Samoa Joe is dominant, as you would expect him to be. Ty Dillinger's got a lot of pluck, he's got a lot of moxie, but he's not doing very well in the match. Uh, And Samoa Joe continues to take him lightly, to the point where Ty Dillinger begins to come back a little bit and get some moves in, because Samoa Joe's mind could be elsewhere. Now, I don't know what potential feud there could be here. Uh, As you'll listen to later, Eric Young could make an appearance here. There's a tie-in there we could talk about and could be part of this story. And in an upset that could rival perhaps Sami Zayn versus Cesaro from way back when, in the old days of NXT, if a company that new can have old days, uh, Ty Dillinger pulls off the upset victory maybe a roll-up, some sort of move like that, and happens to pin the NXT champion. Now, granted, it's a non-title match. Now, the champion is not happy about it, uh, but Ty Dillinger kind of rolls out of the ring and celebrates amongst the crowd, which is so fervently behind him. Uh, And that NXT ends with a, a rabid Samoa Joe. The following NXT opens with William Regal, who is saying that Since Ty Dillinger has pinned the NXT champion, he has earned the right to an actual title match. And so on NXT, perhaps the week later or even that week, depending on how you do it, there's going to be a championship match on NXT television featuring Samoa Joe against Ty Dillinger. And now Samoa Joe is angry, as he seems to always be. This is a very angry Samoan. And he is taking Ty Dillinger a little more seriously. And so this match is even more one-sided than the original one. Ty Dillinger does not get a lot of offense in at all. Maybe a super kick kind of in the corner or some such. But this is a Samoa Joe beatdown, as, again, many would expect it to be. Yet, 
Ty Dillinger does not stay down. He continues to kick out. He continues to get up. He continues to fight his way out of the various submission holds that Samoa Joe can expertly apply the chin lock to the Boston Crab into the STF, that whole kind of series of moves that, again, one of my favorite things from Samoa Joe. And we see Samoa Joe continuing to get angry, continuing to get frustrated, because here is this talent who is, in Joe's mind, so far beneath the caliber of an athlete that Samoa Joe is, and he can't get the victory. Perhaps he even kicks out of the muscle buster. And so he kicks out of the muscle buster, and Samoa Joe loses his mind, and just proceeds to be beating him down beating down Ty Dillinger to the point where the referee calls for the bell and disqualifies Samoa Joe for not heeding the referee's count of five, and your winner, again, in consecutive matches, is Ty Dillinger. Now, granted, this is a disqualification win, so he does not win the title, but now he has two victories over Samoa Joe. And so William Regal again the following week, or perhaps on Twitter in some press conference thing, uh, says that with TakeOver Brooklyn coming up, obviously Ty Dillinger deserves another shot at the NXT Championship, and so makes the match for TakeOver Brooklyn, Samoa Joe versus Ty Dillinger for the NXT Championship. And in the weeks to come, we begin to learn more about Ty Dillinger, the man. We begin to discover what is it about him. It is not just the gimmick. It is not just the cards and the waving of the fingers and the hair that has made Ty Dillinger this underdog favorite, this, dare I say, Daniel Bryan-esque kind of talent. There's more to it. And some of those vignettes might go... A little something like this. Ty Dillinger was born in 1981 in Ontario, Canada. Growing up, he had two loves, hockey and professional wrestling. Training at the Hart Family Wrestling School and under Eric Young, Ty Dillinger began his wrestling career in 2002 under the name Sean Spears. After wrestling throughout Canada, he began to appear on WWE television and was signed to a development deal in 2006. Dillinger got his first bit of fame where he played Stan in this classic DX moment. We don't know what controversy. What do you mean we don't know controversy? No, that's you what he said. We, we don't know. know I don't believe this. We don't know hey, it. You, buddy, what's your name? Stan. Stan. Oh. See, I just stand. Over the next few years, Dillinger wrestled throughout Ohio Valley and Florida Championship Wrestling, winning tag team titles with Cody Rhodes and Dolph Ziggler, and winning a singles title by defeating Santino Morella. In 2008, Dillinger was part of the new ECW and was part of the final match in ECW history, losing to Fit Finley. Dillinger was released from his WWE contract in 2009. Undeterred, he continued to wrestle all over the world, including Mexico, Japan, and Puerto Rico. In 2013, Ty Dillinger was given a second chance 
re-signing with WWE and assigned to NXT after teaming with Jason Jordan, Dillinger adopted the Perfect Ten gimmick, which is a combination of many of the favorites of Dillinger's childhood, Rick Rude, Rick Martel, and Mr. Perfect. Ty Dillinger's career is a testament to hard work, perseverance, and a never-say-die attitude. And it is that that has led him to this title opportunity against NXT champion Samoa Joe. So obviously, uh, the fact that Dillinger was trained by Eric Young gives some opportunities there for him to play a role in this because now Eric Young has a relationship with both Samoa Joe and Ty Dillinger. So he could come out to distract Joe at some point, which could lead to the roll-up victory uh, I alluded to in their first match. And obviously you could see him coming to the ring with Ty Dillinger at TakeOver Brooklyn uh, to kind of be in his corner as a former trainer, as we're led to believe. All of this is from Wikipedia, by the way. So if I'm wrong, blame them. So as we head into TakeOver Brooklyn, vignettes like this are airing interviews with Dillinger, obviously, talking about the fact that he has had a 10-year career, off and on, uh, in developmental. You know, this is a guy, this is not a young stir, despite how he might look. He's had now a f- almost 15-year wrestling career, similar in length, I believe, to Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe probably started a little bit earlier. Um, you could have interviews with a lot of the guys, current WWE superstars, uh, Heath Slater, Dolph Ziggler, guys like that. You know, you would love to have guys like Cody Rhodes and Damian Sandow, uh, but that ship has sailed, which is, again, a testament, I think, to Dillinger's dedication. He's still around. All of these other guys have moved on. You know, Paul Burchill, Wade Barrett, all of these are names that pop up on Dillinger's resume as guys he's wrestled and held titles with or taken titles from or things like that. So you can build this, again, Daniel Bryan story. This is the NXT version of that. And I know they had a similar one with Sami Zayn, but this one is more Ty Dillinger has been wrestling for WWE under the WWE umbrella for about 10 years. And I think that makes a great story. And that I do believe is one of the reasons that those NXT fans who are smarter, and I'm using my famous air quotes here, they are smarter than a lot of other fans. They are not casual fans. If you're going to go to an NXT show, most likely you are an educated fan who knows. You've probably seen, you can go on YouTube and find Florida Championship Wrestling. You can see uh, Sean Spears. You can find, if you look for that WWE version of ECW, you can see Gavin Spears. I found the audio for Stan getting super kicked on YouTube. You can see that he's been around for a decade, and this is his chance to get a shot. You know, the fans would rally behind this. You could also use this as an opportunity to continue to build Samoa Joe as this monster heel. You know, he could be wrestling Eric Young. He could be wrestling some of those kind of guys. You even bring Dolph Ziggler down, who maybe he comes down to do a live interview uh, talking about Ty Dillinger. Samoa Joe confronts him. Now we have a match. You know, if NXT is going to be this third brand, wrestlers from WWE can come down. Dolph Ziggler and Samoa Joe, people are going to want to see that match. 
And you can have vignettes. I'm not going to produce one of these, but Samoa Joe as this big monster guy who talks about, yeah, Ty Dillinger's had a great career, 10 years wrestling, um, you know, for WWE, for all of these developmental territories. Uh, What did I do for the last 10 years? I've won titles all over the place. I've been all over the world, kind of in the same way uh, AJ Styles is doing now, and I've won championships. I didn't need to develop. There was no developing Samoa Joe. I've been who I've been this entire time. And you can build that sort of character with him. We need that dominant champion. And then you get to take over Brooklyn, and we have, very similarly to Daniel Bryan versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30, you have this guy trying to overcome the odds. You could make it a no disqualification match. I think that adds something to it. You'd have to find a way to make it more personal, which I think you could obviously do if Samoa Joe's going out of his way to attack all of these people from Dillinger's past. If Dillinger won one of the matches by disqualification, Joe has an interest in doing that. And then you have this match And it's the same kind of thing. Samoa Joe is dominant. You're not going to get that. Ty Dillinger is not all of a sudden going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with Samoa Joe. All right. I love Ty Dillinger. I think he could be our NXT champion, but let's not get crazy. Uh, But we see him. And if you had no disqualifications, if Ty Dillinger can use weapons, if he brings, you know, essentially street signs that say 10 on him, these metal signs, and he's whacking Samoa Joe over the head with these perfect 10 signs, that's funny and makes sense in the story. And you have this match, and the fans are rallying around it, and you've got all of these people backstage who are cheering for him, and somehow, some way, Ty Dillinger manages to pin Samoa Joe. Maybe it's, you know, uh, I'm reminded of, I believe it was Bret Hart and Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental title. And Roddy Piper gets Bret Hart in the sleeper hold. And that was his finisher at the time. And Bret Hart jumps up, pushes himself off the top rope. Both of them fall back. Brett kind of back flips, so rolls up on top of Roddy Piper and pins him. You know, Samoa Joe's got the coquina clutch. He gets it on him. He hasn't dropped down to the mat yet. Ty Dillinger does something like that, springboards off the ropes, winds up rolling up Joe. Joe doesn't let go, winds up getting pinned in what we'll consider to be a fluke victory. It's fine to be considered a fluke victory. Again, this is not Daniel Bryan. He's not going to make... I don't think we can see a situation where Ty Dillinger makes Samoa Joe tap out. I'd love to see it. Um, And Ty Dillinger wins the NXT title at a major takeover, and the, the fans flood the ring or the wrestlers flood the ring. It becomes this kind of lifetime achievement award, kind of similar in a way, um, to what Zack Ryder got at WrestleMania, but the fan, you know, the crowd hits the ring, lots of people hit the ring, they put Ty Dillinger up on their shoulders, everyone's chanting 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, considering this is his 10th year since being signed with WWE, there's a little bit of symbolism there, a nice metaphor, and TakeOver Brooklyn ends with this ultimate feel-good moment. Now, if... NXT is going to become its own brand to rival Raw and SmackDown, maybe this doesn't work as well. But if NXT is going to be a brand but focus more on developmental, Samoa Joe is not going to be long for that company. Samoa Joe could move on to Raw and or SmackDown as a free agent. Ty Dillinger would make an ideal champion for a more developmental territory. 
because he could work with guys like Buddy Murphy or uh, Andrade Almas. I forgot his name there for a minute, which is sad because he made his debut just a few days ago. He could work with No Way Jose and, you know, get some good matches out of them and start grooming, you know, he's a, he would essentially be kind of the player coach that you have heard of in basketball or in baseball, where, you know, he's a trainer as well as a wrestler and just happens to be their champion for a while until they get another star they can put the belt on. So, that was the story that came into my head, taking this Ty Dellinger momentum, taking his Really, I enjoyed reading uh, his Wikipedia page and the interviews about him because he has this story, you know, learning that his favorites were Rick Rude and Rick Martell and Mr. Perfect. You can see every piece of that in what Ty Dillinger, the Perfect 10, is. That is a story that needs to be shared with the NXT universe, and this is one way to do that. So now that I have painted that picture for you, and I do hope you've enjoyed it, and if you have... Uh, alternative ideas or comments on that. If you want to compliment my excellent vignette preparations at DC Matthews NAI for all your one-stop wrestling needs. I want to move on to uh, uh, something new. This is probably going to become its own show. Doc Manson does not know what's going to happen because, uh, again, inside baseball, inside DDT wrestling here, uh, as many of you know, I am a teacher. And as many of you are aware, um, school's out for the summer. Man, Nerd DC could do a cover of that. He's not going to, but he could. Uh, so I'm going to have oodles of free time, and I want to spend those oodles of free time uh, doing some more content for you, the neighborhood. And so one of the things that I've been doing uh, since I am a WWE Network junkie and I've been on the WCW quest and while I'd love nothing more than to go back to 1983, watch all of these pay-per-views and shows again and share some recommended matches with you, uh, that's going to set me back, I probably can say conservatively, at least 100 hours, if not, if not probably closer to 200 hours. And I don't have that many oodles of time. Uh, but one of the other things that I've done, another side quest that I've undertaken, is I've begun to watch some of uh, Main Event, this you know, kind of opening show to whether it's Raw or SmackDown, I don't know, and really, frankly, don't care. But it's, this, you know, it's these dark matches, these be considered the dark matches um, leading into the bigger WWE weekly shows. And they are on the WWE Network. They start on February 4th. 2014. And so I've watched the first, I think, seven uh, episodes of Main Event, and I found some matches that I'm going to recommend to you. I won't call them homework assignments, um, but let's call them extra credit. If you're looking for some wrestling that you probably have missed, and you want some interesting things to watch, you want some good matches or some uh, you know, some relevant things to watch, here's some extra credit assignments for you. So head to your friendly WWE Network, wherever you get it, and uh, head to the February 4th edition. I found one match per show. I don't know if I'll continue to do that, but I, for the first seven, I found one match per show that I recommend. And so from the very first main event on WWE Network, the very first match, in fact, is... Uh, Fantastic, probably one of my favorites on this entire thing, and it is the Miz versus Fandango. Um, 
And really, the match is good, but what makes this is the fact that this is right around the time to take you back to this era, which is even before I was really watching regularly. My wrestle-watching resumed with WWE Network. Um, Santina Morella and Emma had just become a thing. Emma had just been pulled out of the crowd, uh, very similarly, I thought, to how Santino was pulled out of the crowd when he made his debut against Umaga some years back. So Santino and Emma were a thing, Fandango and Summer Rae were a thing, and so Santino and Emma are on commentary, and this is all about Santino, who is, as you know, one of the great wrestle-silly talents of our generation. And so he was just fantastic on commentary. They added a lot to the match. Miz is a is a good guy, uh, randomly. You know, you don't seem to think of the Miz having very many babyface runs, but he was a good guy at this point. Fandango was the heel. Again, nice match, but the commentary makes it way better. Uh, moving on to the next week, this would be the February 11th show. Uh, I recommend checking out the Big E Langston, who is the Intercontinental Champion at the time, uh, taking on Drew McIntyre, and then, very quickly, taking on Jinder Mahal, both of 3MB. Uh, and the reason I do this is, you know, I missed Big E Langston. I missed his entire NXT run that Jason Maltov ra- raves about with the Gimme Five, uh, and I missed a lot of this. You know, he was... I first remember seeing him as part of New Day. That was kind of, you know, he was off TV for a while. Um, But he was a dominant Intercontinental Champion. You watch his match with Drew McIntyre, and you think to yourself, this guy could be a contender for a WWE Champion. I would like to live in a world where Big E Langston could be a potential World Champion. And you watch this match, and you can believe it. The next week, which is February 18th, uh, I recommend The Shield versus Los Matadores and Sin Cara. I haven't watched a lot of The Shield. Again, during my lost years, I'll have to catch up, but it was a very nice match. Um, the Matadors are very good. You know, we've talked about the Shining Stars on DDT Wrestling. They've been talked about all over uh, the neighborhood and Twitter. They're very good wrestlers. They can't find a gimmick to save their lives, but they are very good wrestlers, and I believe this is the original Sin Cara not the new one. Um, so it's a it's a good match. You know, the Matadors are on this a lot. Not on my list, necessarily, uh, but they are on main event a lot. They're kind of the mascots. Um, but this was a good match. Uh, El Torito played a role a little bit, kind of bouncing around. It was fun. I recommend it. It was a, it was a match that if it had been on Raw, you wouldn't have minded. It was entertaining. The next week, February 25th, I recommend Damien Sandow versus Sin Cara again. Again, one of the other mascots of main event. Uh, Damien Sandow, you see an aggressive side of him. This is, I believe, kind of just after he lost the briefcase. So, you know, we thought he was going to get this push. It didn't happen. But this is a very aggressive Damien Sandow. He uses the education submission hold, which is kind of, uh, it's a variation of the sharpshooter where you turn your opponent around, but you stay facing forward. So the opponent is in front of you, but the sharp, the legs are in this very similar sharpshooter position. Uh, Again, you want you wish you could go back in time and say, let's take that aggressive Damien Sandow and give him something to do. But before long, he's Ms. Dow, which was great in its own right. Uh, the next week, March 4th, uh, despite the fact that Daniel Bryan versus Kane was on main event, 
probably because this is around the time they had just moved to WWE Network, so they were trying to get people to watch WWE Network, hence this quote-unquote main event kind of matchup, and I mean main event in terms of like actual main eventing a show. Daniel Bryan versus Kane has probably main evented many shows before. Um, but I'm recommending The Usos versus The Matadors. And you're probably wondering, what in the world is he doing? He hates the Usos, and he's not wild about the Matador gimmick. Why is he recommending it? Well, I'll tell you why, if you didn't know. Or dare I say, oh, you didn't know. Because the New Age Outlaws are out on commentary. They had just lost their tag team titles to the Usos, I believe. Yes, friends, if you are a recent fan... Um, or if you are a fan from the Attitude Era and you're only recently coming back, the New Age Outlaws were tag team champions in 2014. I'll let that sink in. Now, I didn't mind because Billy Gunn is probably in my top ten list of wrestlers of all time, uh, and there's nothing wrong with Road Dog on the microphone, and so the two of them did a very nice job on commentary, very similar to Santino, this wrestle-silly kind of commentary, uh, which you see a lot of on main event. You know, at least, it feels like at least once a week, somebody comes out to do commentary for somebody else's matches, and it's not always great, but in this instance, watch this match just to listen to Road Dog and Billy Gunn on commentary. March 11th, 2014, AJ Lee versus Natalia for the Divas title. An excellent wrestling match regardless of gender. This was a, a woman's match that rivals some of the great ones we've seen, you know. I would put this on par with the stuff that Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Sasha and Bailey were doing in NXT. This was a really good uh, match to watch. And that brings us to the last one I saw, which was March 17th of 2014. Um, again, I'm saying this only so that you can go to your WWE Network and find these matches. I want to make it easier for you. Uh, and I would recommend the Rhodes Brothers versus the Real Americans. You've got four excellent athletes, four excellent wrestlers here. Uh, and, you know, what's interesting is that of these four, only one is no longer with the company. You would think if we had been back there in 2014 watching this, we could have foreseen a world in which Cesaro and Swagger and possibly even Goldust, you know, we might have thought Cody Rhodes is the only one who's still going to wrestle for WWE in the summer of 2016. And in fact, the opposite is true, though everyone's very excited to see Cody Rhodes on the independent circuit. I love that. I am super excited to see um, that Cody Rhodes seems excited, that the world seems excited. This is what makes being a wrestling fan in 2016 fun and probably what makes being a wrestler in 2016 fun. You do not need WWE to have a great career. You just need an active social media presence and the ability to create some buzz because he's wrestling. I think he's doing Evolve. He's doing PWG. I think he's going to be part of, uh, I can never tell. Is it BOLA or B-O-L-A? The best of Los Angeles, I believe. Um, so it's it's an exciting time. But that match was very good. Gold Dust is excellent. WWE's Benjamin Button. Did you know? Fun fact. Uh, Golden Truth is a combined 91 years old. Gold Dust is 47 and R-Truth is 44. They are 91 years old put together. Uh, so I don't care what their push or lack thereof is. They're still on television. Um, wrestling at a combined 91 years old. But those are my recommendations. That's your extra credit uh, for the week. If you wish to find some things to watch, if you're looking for things this weekend um, to watch, 
getting ready for the brand extension, so so you're not really watching SmackDown, I recommend those matches. It's you know you put them together, and you've got yourself a nice little pay per view there. Really, you know Miz and Fandango, Biggie, McIntyre. You know you put those together. Even if you deleted, you know the doubles. You know, you could get rid of Sandow versus Sankara and the Usos versus the Matadors, but Miz versus Fandango, Big E versus McIntyre, Shield versus Matadors and Sankara, AJ versus Natalia and the Rhodes Brothers versus the Real Americans, there's a little, you know, probably hour-long mini pay-per-view for you to watch that's got some really great wrestling, so I recommend it. All right, we're ending today with some hashtag AskDC, which I've never done on the air before. Uh, but again, hopefully will become something that you can get used to uh, on whatever my own show becomes. Uh, Doc Manson usually doesn't listen, so if he gets to this point in the show, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked, Doc. I'll get some Doc shock. But um, I put out uh, AskDC, and I got a, a question from Brandon at Brandon Mac NAI. We've addressed it on a previous show. We're going to do our prediction show next week on DDT Wrestling. So I'll talk about my thoughts on the Fatal 4-Way tag match then, my friend Brandon. Uh, but Jake the Mark, at Jake the Mark, asks, who do you think has the most to gain from the brand split, and how would you book them? Uh, I'm assuming he means the talent who has the most to gain from the brand split. And it's, it's very hard to say who has the most to gain. I think we as wrestling fans have the most to gain because there's a lot of question marks. You know, the last few months have been a very exciting time as a wrestling fan because of the unknown. You know, when Shane McMahon came back and then got control of raw, you know, or even when he came back and was scheduled to face the undertaker at WrestleMania and would be in control of raw, our fantasy booking brains, our creative brains, began to go into overdrive, coming up with all of these ideas, all of these possibilities of what could happen. And we run into a problem. It's a double-edged sword because we have a field day coming up with all of these ideas. But at the same time, the problem is we come up with all of these wonderful ideas. And so as Doc and I talked about on DDT Wrestling, when we talked about TakeOver, I expected TakeOver to be some sort of watershed transitional moment for that company. I expected to end Wednesday night feeling like I had seen something major and the world was never going to be the same. And that's not what happened. And I couldn't help but feeling slightly disappointed uh, because of that. And it's my own fault. I recognize that. You know, uh, the, the biggest obstacle of me being the Pope of positivity is my own expectations and my own, uh, you know, fantasy booking in my head, because I come up with these ideas that I think are really great. My Ty Dillinger idea of how he could become NXT champion, I think is a very solid idea. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to wind up being slightly disappointed, but it's not WWE's fault. They don't know, or do they? Are you listening, WWE? Send me a sign. When John Cena comes out on Raw, have him blink Morse code to me to let me know that you're listening. And I'll know I should keep doing this just for you, WWE. Just for you. Anyways, what was I talking about? Ah, the brand split. So, since then, with the idea of the brand split, so NXT, you know, it's Triple H believes they're going to be a legitimate brand. Um, You know, and again, that makes you wonder. Uh, this brand split, is it being split into two or into three? 
And what does that mean if it is split into three? Are we going to see a three-headed draft? Are we going to see Stephanie, Shane, and Triple H each drafting their own rosters? How does that work? Could we live in a world where a main event talent like John Cena, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, I think you could argue those might be among your top five picks. Let's throw in AJ Styles and... Let's throw in Finn Balor. I don't think he would be in the top five. He would certainly not be in my top five, but let's throw him in the mix. At least if it's a three-team draft, if it's a three-company draft, at least one of those guys is going to NXT, possibly even two. So if you take Finn Balor out of the mix, are we going to live in a world where Seth Rollins goes back to NXT? How are we? How is that going to work? If NXT is its own brand, there has to be a lot done to boost its legitimacy. You know, right now it's as legitimate as a developmental territory, but if you're going to really expect us to believe that NXT is on equal footing with Raw and SmackDown, a whole lot of work needs to be done because, as I've, we've talked about, I think, on previous episodes of DDT Wrestling, a move to NXT right now, if you're on the main roster, is a demotion. Tyson Kidd got demoted to NXT. Ty- Titus O'Neil got demoted to NXT. Zack Ryder got demoted to NXT. Um, it's going to be hard to f- put a main event guy in there. And, you know, drafting John Cena into NXT isn't necessarily going to cut it. Um, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen. And it makes it hard for me to answer your question, Jake, about who I do think has the most to gain from the brand split, I'd like to think it's, um, you know, one of these underused talents, a guy like Bray Wyatt. If you're going to split the roster, and this will be my answer, is a guy like Bray Wyatt. Uh, and I'm going to talk about these guys. You know, Sasha Banks is another one, though, again, we're not sure what's going to happen. You know, Booker T was said at some point that we're expecting two singles champions, two tag champions. He didn't say anything about two female titles. How's that going to work? Are we going to get a show where all the women wrestle and they don't wrestle on the other one? How's that going to work? So there's a lot of questions. But I'm thinking of a guy like Bray Wyatt, who right now, despite what all of us, again, want to believe, I've booked probably a Bray Wyatt storyline at least half a dozen times, if not more, about how to get him over the proverbial hump and into the main event scene. So... A guy like him could use rosters that are pared down a bit. You split this roster in half, even, uh, into Raw and SmackDown, and all of a sudden he goes from being that mid-level heel, the guy you beat before you become a main eventer, now you have to start thinking of him as a main eventer because there aren't that many other people left to go up against. So I think that's who's going to be benefiting more from this are those types of guys. Cesaro is another guy who, in a two-world title world, probably wins a couple of them. If we stayed with one brand and one world champion, I don't know that Cesaro ever wins that title. But if there's two belts, yeah. He probably does. You put Cesaro in a, you know, he's at least a guy like Sheamus or a guy like Ziggler or a guy like Mark Henry, any of these other world champions who many people don't really feel, they don't feel like world champions, but technically they are. You know, history shows they've held that title. Um, Cesaro is at least that caliber. We want him to be better. We believe he can be better, but he's at least that kind of guy. And I think Bray Wyatt's the same kind of way. 
Um, so how would I book it? That would probably have to be its own show. I've already done my fantasy booking uh, for the day here with Ty Dillinger, who is another guy who could gain quite a bit from a brand split of some kind. Um, but it's a guy like that, Jake. It's uh, Bray Wyatt, Cesaro, those kind of people who are, you know, those mid-card guys who are flying under the radar. Sami Zayn. I can't tell you Sami Zayn is ever world champion in a one-title world unless he happens to beat Kevin Owens. Two world titles? Yeah, he's going to win a couple. So, you know, perhaps this brand split with two world champions, which I know most people are vehemently against, but perhaps it is better in the sense that it will give us the satisfaction of having some of our favorites who would most likely be overlooked in a one-title system get the chance to win a championship, even if it is a little diluted. So thank you, Jake. Again, he's at Jake the Mark. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's a uh, a good friend of DDT Wrestling and a good friend of the neighborhood. Uh, I encourage you, as we wrap up this show, and I'm only going to say that once, and then I'm actually going to wrap up the show. I love you, Jason, but you do that all the time. Um, I, I'm going to encourage you to check out the NAI Network. Uh, make sure you subscribe to both that and the New Age Insiders feed. Uh, I'm presuming, of course, since you're listening to this, that you have subscribed to the DDT Wrestling feed. Please write us a review on iTunes. There's nothing that makes Doc Manson happier than seeing those reviews on iTunes, um, at least in the time I've seen him recently. You know, he, he gets this legitimate gleeful look on his face, which doesn't happen often for the professor of pragmatism, uh, but seeing those reviews does it. And so I hope you write us a review if you haven't already. If you have, thank you very much. Uh, please give Doc Manson a follow, at Doc Manson. Give his wife, Mrs. Manson, at Mrs. Manson DDT a follow. Uh, give me a follow, at DC Matthews NAI. Thanks for joining me on this episode of By the Book, which was maybe, maybe a little sneak preview of what's to come this summer uh, with some extra credit assignments, some fan questions, perhaps just some more opportunity for me to share my thoughts and opinions with you. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, so I am DC Matthews, and until we meet again, my friends, I'll see you around the neighborhood.